Uh, we're going to kick into a new series this morning called Partners in Joy, and uh, Dan's going to read for us from the beginning of Philippians. All right, so I'm reading from Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 8. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you for your, your word, your written word this morning. Lord, thank you for these letters, this section of the New Testament, letters written by leaders to the people of God. And, and Father, as we dive into the book of Philippians, uh, we pray, Lord Jesus, that through these coming four weeks that you would speak, Lord, uh, words that are not just uh, words we, we see as written to the Philippians, but your word to us. So open our hearts now, Lord Jesus, and speak to us through this, your holy word. We thank you that it's so readily accessible to us, and we we welcome uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit in our midst this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. There's, There's something incredibly unique and special about the church of Jesus Christ. Something unique, something profound. Um... I was chatting to our neighbours, our friends uh, on uh, Monday just gone, uh, they're not not churchgoers, just friends, neighbours of ours, and uh, they knew that we uh, at the Billabong had had a meeting, had uh, a a time where we were going to decide whether we progressed these plans to start a new church in in another area, and they they, um, asked me about that on Monday, oh, how'd, how'd the meeting go? And uh, I said, oh, good, and, and I shared that I was really encouraged by, like I just said, that, that willingness um, and desire to embrace the journey together, to get involved on this, uh, on this venture. And uh, my friend, uh, he said, oh, that's great. It's good when people come together to, you know, to do stuff in the community and for the community. And, and he went on to share a little bit about how he was involved in community childcare. And we talked about you know, different, when people come together for different projects, um, you know, with community organisations. And part of me recognised, yeah, there's, there's similarities when a childcare or a community organisation or a school or a PNC, a not-for-profit organisation, you know, embarks on a, on a project together and achieves something. But another part of me knows that church and the journey that God's people are on is far more than just that. And it's not about, a, well, we're, we're better than them, um, and there is a lot of overlap between a project that a church community may undertake and something that a community organisation may undertake. And in fact, much of the time, um, community organisations might put the church to shame in what they can achieve and how they can work together to achieve something. But there's something special and really unique about the bond that forms among the people of God 
who embark on God's mission together. It's so profound and rich, and it has the potential to result in this unique kind of joy that Paul talks about it a lot in Philippians. Uh, it, that it's really quite something. Uh, so we're going to start a, a short series on this, this letter of Paul to the Philippians, which paints a picture of this almost unnatural, supernatural, God-given joy among the people of God, even when they're facing uh, tough situations. And it gives us some insight as to what life in the body, uh, the, what life in the family of God, the church, uh, what it can look like, what it should look like, uh, and, and what feeds into that, what actually results in this kind of bond and this, this partnership in joy that the church is meant for. Uh, Philippians is four chapters, nice short book, um, easy to read, um, and we're not going to read the whole, you know, one whole chapter every week, we'll, we'll look, look at just some highlights. Um, uh, so I encourage you, read this in your own time, it's a very quick read, um, but sit with it, read each chapter. Um, it's a letter written by Paul to the church in Philippi, which he, uh, Paul founded, and you can read about that in Acts 16. This was a colony of Roman soldiers. And they became these great friends and supporters of Paul. Uh, And he's writing this letter to them from prison. He's been jailed for his faith. He doesn't know whether he'll be put to death. Um, They've sent money and encouragement through one of their members. Um, And as well as Paul being in jail because of his faith, they are facing persecution because of their faith. But in the midst of that, there's this incredible and beautiful bond that they seem to have as a body of brothers and sisters in the church. And and that's where I want to start. We just read from verses 3 to 8. I'm going to put it up on the screen again and highlight a few things. Paul says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy. How amazing is that? Later in verse 7, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, it's not hard to see. That's not a general friendship. Right? There's, that's a deep, heartfelt care and affection. Um, it's, it's like a mother or a father writing to their children longing for their child. Right? It's, it's, it's quite a special bond and love. And there's something about this kind of bond with other human beings that can come, uh, firstly, from a shared experience. Now, I don't know if you've... you've, you've experienced this before where you're together with people for a period of time and the bond that is created is just so special. I was on a a week-long retreat recently. I'm doing a leadership, a Christian leadership development course um, where we spend three weeks spread over a couple of years uh, with um, a number of other pastors. And so we're together at this retreat center. There's 20 pastors um, from all different denominations and tribes and and uh, we get together on the Sunday night, and except for one guy in the room, everybody else is a stranger to me, right? 
by the Friday afternoon, we feel like we've been friends forever, um, that like there's tears and there's hugs and there's prayers and there's, there's just this bond that has been created from like literally five days of being together. Um, maybe you've experienced that at something like Chrysalis or Emmaus, 72 hours and it's like relatively relative strangers, but by the Sunday afternoon, there's tears and hugs and it's like, you know, we're, we are, you know, we're bonded together in love kind of thing. Or maybe a, a year-long internship or a, a, it could be in a, a workplace or whatever the case may be. Those situations don't just happen because there's a particular set of circumstances that sort of happen to create those bonds of love and connection. That, that happens when there's this investment of time and effort into those relationships, whether it be a short amount of time and it's really intense and, and that bond, or whether it's over a longer period of time, there's that investment in a particular purpose and into each other in relationship. Um, and I think it's similar with what's happening with Paul and the Philippians. Paul talks of thanking God every time I remember you. That's an intentional choice. It's an action. It's, it, that creates this positive cycle of love and of care and compassion um, that he would thank God for the, every time he remembers them. If we look at our own uh, church family or, or maybe you're in a life group or a Bible study or a prayer group or a Christian friendship circle of some kind, if we look at that space and think, well, I don't really have that, that bond of deep love and, and affection and care for those people that, that Paul had with the Philippians, then a good place to start is, are you praying for them? Are you investing that into that space? Are you, quote, thanking God for them every time you remember them, like Paul did with the Philippians? Now, maybe you read that and go, well, yeah, but the Philippians, they just sound like amazing people. Like, of course, Paul's like, you guys are amazing. I'm just so grateful. It sounds like it's just a natural overflow. And that he had reason to thank God for them. So that's why it happened. Well, here's what I think. It's just a theory, but here's what I think. The Philippians were just like any other church that ever existed. They're just a group of people. They're a group of Christians. Yeah, they loved each other and cared for it. But they're just like anybody else. They're ordinary, flawed, imperfect people. But it was his choice to pray for them. See, Paul was their founder and leader. There's no doubt in my mind whatsoever that there were things about them, the Philippians, that frustrated and annoyed him. Not that I'm speaking from experience at all as a Christian leader. But, but it's, I can guarantee it. There's no doubt in my mind that, it, that they, they were not perfect. There were things that rubbed him the wrong way, but his choice was to pray for them, that every time they come to mind, to thank God for them. It's an intentional thing. And then they reciprocate. They, they care for his practical needs. They take the initiative to send their friend with money and supplies and encouragement for Paul when he's jailed. They keep the bonds of friendship strong by making the effort, by being intentional. I think of Paul's words to the Ephesians. 
make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace? Are we doing that or are we waiting for others to get their act together so we can feel the joy again? But the joy, the joy of Christian community emerges when we invest in those relationships, when we work to strengthen, make every effort to strengthen those bonds. Um, just like Mahun and Ernie there were like, okay, we're not just going to let these kids through. Let's tighten this up right now. They're not getting, they're not getting past. They're not breaking us. They had to put the effort in. But that being said, church is more than just some people, ordinary human beings with a special relational bond. Yes, we invest in that love for one another, but this is grounded, of course, in our love of God and the love we receive from God through Jesus. In Philippi, not only do they share a common experience of suffering, but it's suffering for the God they've come to give their lives to serve. Because God's love has been poured out into their lives, and this is, the, this is the, what grounds their whole relationships with each other. Paul says this, Convinced of this, I know I will remain. He's talking about whether he's going to, you know, where he's heading and what's going to happen to him. And I will continue with all of you. Why? For your progress and joy in the faith. This is the focus. A common pursuit of God brings this, this bond and this joy that is distinct from just a, a group with allegiance to a human leader. A, a group who, whose allegiance and, and, and love for God is their grounding and their focus is different to a group who are just centred around a philosophy or, or, um, or, or a particular cause that they're bonded around. That God is so much greater than anything, any, any of that. And so our love for each other is supercharged because it's not just about our love. Here's what I mean. Let, let have a look at verse 8 again. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. It's not Paul's love. It's the affection of Christ for them and for us. There's a reason that churches create opportunities and atmospheres for people to experience and receive the love of God. Many reasons. But one is that because encountering and experiencing God's love completely transforms human relationships. That vertical relationship completely shifts the horizontal. Right? We focus on the perfect love of God, not the imperfect love of people. And when we do that, the human relationships change altogether because the focus is on the one who is perfect. To use an extreme example, I'm, I'm often reminded and so challenged and encouraged by this story of uh, Corey Ten Boom. And if you, any of you heard of this, um, she talks about this in the Alpha course. There's a little recording. And Corey Ten Boom uh, was a prisoner of um, the, the Nazis uh, in the concentration camps. Her sister didn't survive. She did. And uh, many, many years later, a gentleman approached her and said, I am one of the officers who held you in that concentration camp and tortured you, but I've become a Christian now and I would like to ask for your forgiveness. And Corey Ten Boom tells the story of, of, 
of just that feeling of anxiety and fear, remembering the torture that her and her sister went through, being stripped naked and all sorts of horrible stuff. And, um, and just she says, and I could not, I couldn't forgive him. It was just so painful and so hurtful. But then she says, she said, she, she focused on the love of God and said, Jesus, you have forgiven me all, for all of my sins. How can I not forgive someone else? And she said she reached out her hand, took the hand of the, the officer, and it was like the love of God through the Holy Spirit flowed through her into the man's hand, and she said, I forgive you in Jesus' name. And she finishes the little you know, snippet by saying, you know, um, could I forgive him? No, I could not, but he can, Right? Now that's an extreme example, like a you know really challenging uh, one, and I don't think any of us probably I hope and you know not have not been in a you know a prisoner of war and had to forgive one of our um, oppressors. But on a more subtle day-to-day level, I know I can't love others with the kind of selfless and humble and extravagant love of Jesus. But I'm not supposed to therefore settle for less and go well. I can't do that. I can only do this level. I'm supposed to say and encouraged to say, Jesus, help me love others like you do. Love through me, Jesus. And remembering the nature of our relational God uh, is helpful here. See, God is three persons in one being. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but so perfect in their selfless one love for one another, that they are completely one, one being, not three beings, one being but three persons. And when we love God and allow him to love us, that perfect community of the Trinity is something we are invited into and it can now flow through us. Now, we don't become one being with other people or even one being with God. But we, the body of Christ, can become imitators of this selfless and perfect community of the Godhead. And it's not in our own strength. It's through the relationship that we have with the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Um, I love how the writer of Hebrews, whoever he or she is, just flows straight from encouragement to cling to God and love God through to encouragement to invest in our relationship with others, like the two just go hand in hand. right? He or she says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. And then in verse 20, that was verse 22, then in verse 23, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may, see this is straight from that into, spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And so this bond of love which, which sprouts joy in the church, it comes not only from a this deep investment in the relationships with each other, but a reliance on the perfect love of God. So we, we focus not only on love of one another, but also on the love of God and, love, and, and God's love for us. However, there is also a third element. 
that makes the church of Jesus something that is far more profound than I think even many Christians have experienced. And that's a common passion for God's mission. In verse 4, Paul writes this, if we can have this, the next slide. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, many Christians love to uh, quote the next verse or next line, which says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You know, that whatever God's doing in us, the challenges, God will, will finish that off. But that good work in us is in the context of it, it's about the embrace of God's mission. Us embracing the, this partnership in the gospel, the proclamation of the gospel, to be witnesses, uh, Jesus said in one of the gospels, to make disciples in one of the other gospels. The mission of God. And I, I just love this phrase that Paul uses. Partnership in the gospel. Not individuals going out to go and be gospel, but, but partnership in the gospel. I think so many churches get stuck in this place where they want to reach the lost. They want to share their faith. They want to see people come to know Christ and be on mission and make disciples. But they say, how can we do that if we're not really that tight? If our bonds of love and relationship are a bit struggling? If we're not relationally, internally healthy, how can we reach the world around us with God's love effectively? But we forget about this deep and almost unbreakable bonds of friendship and love and willingness to sacrifice for each other that is only formed on mission together. Does that make sense? That as we go and engage with passion in the mission God has set before us to go and be my witnesses, to go and make disciples, to go and love the lost. That feeds into our love of God and our love for one another. And so these three great loves, which I've talked about many times at the Billabong, the love of God, love of one another, and love for the lost, they go hand in hand. And what they are not are... That they are not three things to, if you like, be kept in balance. Okay, we must make sure that it's 33% of time and energy to that one, and 33% of time and energy to that one, and so on. Because that's not how they fit together. It's, it's quite the opposite to, well, you invest in one and it hurts the other. Actually, we invest in one and the others are strengthened in the process. We go on mission together with a, with a pursuit of God and what he wants and those bonds of friendship and love as between Paul and the Philippians. We're partners in the gospel. They strengthen and they form and they become unbreakable just like when that group of you got together and there's links from many angles, not just one chain. I love how Paul was so unaffected by some immature dudes who have all the wrong motives. We'll read it in a second. It's like some of them are going off and they're preaching Christ with wrong motives because they want to they kind of go against the way Paul did it or whatever is going on. All right. Paul was unaffected by this, not because 
his love, that the love for one another was so strong. And those, you know, relational breakdowns didn't affect him. He was unaffected because the mission wasn't being neglected. Let's, let's read this uh, from verse 15, still chapter 1, Philippians. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Now, I don't know what envy and selfish motive, like why it is they are preaching and why that was their motive, but that's, that's irrelevant. Listen to what Paul says. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Do you see how Paul's, that the relationship, that the breakdown of relation, it didn't affect him because it wasn't just about that. In fact, he was able to deal with some, some relational breakdown in the body because they weren't just focused on that, they were focused on the mission as well. And so as we journey together as a, as a church family, let us not neglect to invest in our relationships with each other, these bonds of love in the body, but also never to assume that if we focus on, on Jesus and his love, that somehow that takes away from our friendships with each other, that those two go together. And then likewise, when we resolve to be partners in the gospel, giving our attention to, to making disciples and bringing the good news of Jesus to others. Let us not assume that this going on mission will somehow work against the bonds of love being formed in the church, that somehow that will steal our joy that comes from this amazing bond, but in fact the three will go together in this harmony where we realise that they are meant to be together. Love of God, love of each other, and the lost. Someone once called them the three great loves. And so uh, as you think about the places you engage in Christian community, of course that's here, but not, on, not only in, in, in the, the, the Billabong family, but maybe your life group, maybe your prayer group, maybe a, um, a circle of Christian friends, a Bible study, a university uh, a Christian fellowship. As you think about those places you engage in Christian community, what are you grateful for? What, uh, what can you thank God for this morning? What can you say, God, I, I, I recognise the joy that comes to my life and to others' lives because of this, this space. And as we worship this morning, be thanking God for that Christian community, for this Christian community, and what it is that you have to be thankful for. And if there's something lacking in one or more of those spaces, we can always find something that's lacking. I want to encourage you to think, what, what can your contribution be there? If it's that that Christian community is passionate about love of God and love of the lost, but the relational bonds are, are a bit weak, where, where do you contribute there? If, if your life group is uh, great relationally, but not 
engaging in mission together and supporting one another in your witness? How can you contribute to that? If there's a lack of that focus on Jesus, even though the others are good, where can you contribute? What can you be thankful for and what can you contribute? Father, I pray this morning that as we embark, continue to embark on this journey, this mission that you have given us, um, to be partners in the gospel. Lord, that we would be partners in joy. Lord, that we would find an ever-increasing bond of love and of relationship and connection, not because we just focus on each other and not because we just focus on each other and you, Lord Jesus, but because together we are partners in the gospel and we do that together. Lord, would you strengthen the bonds of love and of friendship in this fellowship, the Billabong? Would you strengthen the bonds of friendship and love across our life groups and prayer groups and Bible studies? Would you strengthen the bonds of love and friendship and connection that we have with other churches in this region, Lord Jesus, across Christian leadership, across uh, Christian friendships that are organic and and on on neighbourhoods and streets? Lord Jesus, as we start this journey towards church planting, would you bind us together with Christians in Piara Waters and Harrisdale that we might not have a billabong expansion mindset but a kingdom expansion mindset? Father, would you do this work in us that your love would flow through us into the world? We pray in Jesus' name.